long-distance partners who tune in every week. Would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome to Rosewood Church. We're glad that you're here uh, joining us online on this Christmas day. My name is Howard Motes. Uh, I'm one of the ministers here at Rosewood Church. Today, Advent is over. That season of watching and waiting for the coming of Christ. And we celebrate this day, the coming of Christ in the baby Jesus in a manger. Scripture puts it this way uh, when it talks about the significance of the coming of Christ, is that we who have been walking in darkness have seen a great light. That's what we've been talking about in this Advent season, and we have already have four candles here lit to represent the four Sundays of Advent. The first one is the candle of hope, the second one, the candle of peace, the third, the candle of joy, and the fourth, the candle of love. Those are all the gifts of God to us in this season of Advent. But we have one more candle to light, and that is the Christ candle, which represents our celebration on this Christmas day. I'd like to read, first of all, uh, an explanation of the coming of Christ from John chapter 1, the first five verses from the New Living Translation of the Bible. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. As we light the Christ candle, we rejoice in the promise of God that has been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And let us pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, as we celebrate your goodness to us, as we join the joy of this holy day, we give you thanks and praise for your presence in our midst. As your love has been revealed in all of its fullness in Jesus Christ, we pray that your love may grow in our hearts so that we may share your light with everyone. And wherever we are in this day, alone or gathering with family and friends, we pray that you would give us a special sense of your presence Help us to see you in the lights of Christmas and to understand the fullness of your love for us as we see the baby in the manger and celebrate your greatest gift. For we pray in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Now, some of you are wondering, uh, what am I going to do with my offering? I'm not here at church. Uh, for those of you who are worshiping online or have already uh, planned online giving, uh, we're grateful that this is not going to be a problem for you. Uh, thanks for your support throughout the year. Uh, but since next Sunday is already January 1st, uh, those of you who have written a check and want to get it to the church, you have a number of options. Uh, you could put it in the mail, but if you want to feel a little more confident, uh, the church will be open on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday until noon of next week. Uh, and, or I should say this week because we're talking about Sunday. Uh, and um, so you can drop it by the church. Uh, make sure that you get it to us uh, by uh, before the end of this week uh, because next Sunday is January 1st. And so we hope, weather permitting, uh, we'll see you a week from now on January 1st to celebrate New Year's Day. Merry Christmas and welcome to Rosewood Church. My name is Austin Vondracek. I'm one of the pastors here at Rosewood. And this is in no way how I was thinking I would be able to wish you Merry Christmas. But because of a couple circumstances that were independent of each other, uh, we had to make a call uh, late in, in the week prior to Christmas about what we were going to do with our Christmas Day service. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Lindsay, our worship director, has come down with influenza. She has followed in the footsteps of the rest of her family, uh, and she is, uh, it's questionable whether she uh, will be able to, would be able to be here on Sunday. Also questionable whether she should be here on Sunday, even if she uh, is, is capable of, of uh, leading worship. Uh, also, the snow that's coming. Now, we don't know how bad it's going to be. Maybe by the time you're watching this, we will have realized that we blew it all out of proportion and it wasn't all that big of a deal. But because of, of those two factors, uh, we had to make the decision uh, to kind of change our plans for Christmas Day. Uh, so I actually, I came in this morning not expecting to uh, be changing plans like this. Luckily, I wore red. I guess it was something kind of divine about how I, I, uh, I got dressed this morning where God was preparing me to, uh, to write and, and preach a Christmas message. Uh, but anyway, it is, it is what it is. And uh, like I said, uh, we'll know if we made the right decision by the time you watch this on Christmas Day. Um, this whole circumstance kind of reminded me of a, of a, a story about a husband and wife um, who, leading up to Christmas, uh, the wife had a, a dream. Um, in her dream, her husband gave her a, a diamond necklace. And so she woke up and uh, told her, her husband this dream and said, are you going to get me a diamond necklace? Is, is that what this dream means? And her husband said, well, maybe. I guess you just have to wait and see until we get to Christmas. Well, Christmas finally came, and they were sharing gifts with one another, and, and she received a, a gift that was uh, you know, rectangular and, and thought, maybe this is it. And so she unwraps it, and it's a book, a book titled How to Interpret Dreams. Naturally, she was quite let down uh, by what she was expecting to receive on Christmas Day. And in a way, maybe you're let down by what you're receiving this Christmas Day. I certainly am let down because I was looking forward to being able to spend Christmas morning with, as, a, as a church family. But also, it, it kind of speaks to a bigger, a, a bigger dysfunction of Christmas, which is that for so many of us, when, Christ, when Christmas finally comes, it does feel like a, a bit of a letdown. Uh, 
where we look back at, at all of the work we put in, all of the shopping and the buying and the you know, charging to credit cards and that, that we're going to spend the rest of the year trying to pay off. We look at all the things that occupied our time, and then we get to Christmas morning, and it's like, why did we do all that? Is this really what it's all about? And, and maybe we even swear to ourselves, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to do it differently. Next year, we're going to, I'm not going to be so busy so I can focus on the, the reason of Christmas and the meaning of Christmas. But, and then we go and we, and we do it all over again. And so, so in a way, Christmas can feel like a bit of a letdown. So I, I thought, as, as I was thinking about what to do um, in this, in this kind of this, this alternative version of our Christmas plans, I thought, well, why don't we just, let's just come back to the, let's come back to the story, the original story, the, the story that, that makes this day so significant, this story that makes this day so important that we still tell time according to this day. I want to read a, a passage of the first seven Uh, verses from Luke chapter 2. Luke says that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Ga- in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end, in the inn. Now the, the beautiful thing about about Christmas, and, and this kind of reminds me of a, of a song that we sang last week in worship, uh, that the beautiful thing about, about Christmas is that on that day that Jesus was born, the director of this entire play that we call life and history entered his own play as an actor. That the, the author uh, entered his own story. He wrote himself in to the story. Um, on Christmas, uh, the, the author of life came to life and lived among us. It's such a beautiful thing. And so as I was thinking about, about how to look at, at Christmas, and, and especially with the letdown that sometimes we feel around Christmas and getting back to the basics, I, I kind of found myself thinking of this whole Christmas story as almost like a Christmas play, right? Because there's all, that's a, a common way of, of, uh, of kind of expressing and, and telling the story of Christmas is through an actual play. And, and I think you could make the argument that Scripture, all of Scripture, is one long, large uh, play or, or one large story that is being directed, that's being written by many different authors and has so many different characters and settings and timelines, but it all comes together to one story. So I'd like to just look at Christmas through that perspective. And, and first, I want to think about the writer of the story. The writer of, of this story is Luke, and, and maybe it would be more appropriate to call him Dr. Luke, because uh, Luke was a physician, and he opens uh, his, 
his letter or his gospel of Luke, he opens by saying um, his intention. He says, look, I assembled all of this information in order to create an orderly, concise, true account of Jesus's life. Because Luke was not there. He didn't, he wasn't walking with Jesus like, like Matthew, Mark, John were. Like, he didn't have that kind of experience. But he went through this very orderly effort to write this biography of Jesus, to write this history of Jesus, to write the testimony, the gospel of Luke. And so he is the writer. And, and just as a, a play or a movie um, has a writer, that writer writes at the direction of the director. There is a director that oversees it all. And while a writer or writers do their parts to actually type or pen uh, the, the, the narrative, the the conversations, all of the, all of the, the parts that go into it, ultimately... It is by the direction of the director. Luke is writing at the direction of the director, at the the director, God the Father, who orchestrated through his Holy Spirit the authorship of of all of Scripture, including this story from Luke 2. And so now let's talk about the time. When does it actually take place? Because we haven't quite gotten into the script yet. We're still looking at, at how it's all being set up. For one, the time is, um, well, not too hard to figure out, right? Just look at your calendar. How, wh- when did it take place? About 2,000 years ago. Is that exactly right? No, but we're pretty darn close. Close enough being 2,000 years out. And Paul says in Galatians, again, orchestrated or written by, the, uh, written by Paul, but, but directed by the director. Um, he says that at just the right time, the Savior was born, which is so interesting because he was born into this fascinating moment in history, this time where, where, where Rome occupied the, the Mediterranean region, where, the, where the, the Jews expecting this Messiah were, were hoping and praying that this Messiah would come and overturn this mega power in the world. It was a time of relative peace uh, in, in the known world, in the Roman Empire. Now, it was a peace that came at the tip of a sword or a spear, but it was still peace. However, that peace was extremely fragile. It was a time of a great deal of anxiety and worry, and and that facade of peace was beginning to start to crack underneath the surface with certain kind of social rebellions and social unrest. These things were were beginning to happen, and we know from historians that they did end up up happening, and and you could even say that Jesus was a contributing, contributing factor to this, but it was a time of peace that was at risk, right? And I, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, as, as time changes, we find ourselves at times more being able to relate to different parts of Scripture. And I think certainly the, the kind of anxiety and worry that some people tell me about that they feel in the world nowadays, that there's a certain way where, where we can kind of connect to this story, connect to this time, a time that, that God said was just the right time just the right time to make a move and to introduce the main character. But before we get to the characters, let's talk about the set. If you were to create a set for the Christmas story, you'd probably build a stable, is my guess. Now here's how commentator R. Kent Hughes describes the, the stable. He says it was, a, it, it was a leap down, as if the Son of God rose from his splendor, 
stood poised on the rim of the universe and dove headlong, speeding through the stars over the Milky Way to Earth's galaxy, where he plunged into a huddle of animals. Nothing could be lower. God left his throne and was born as a child. How humble. And in the most humble of circumstances, And Jesus would would never really in his life um, go beyond these humble circumstances. He he would talk about how, you know, foxes, they they have dens to go live in, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was born as a, in kind of this transient state. He was, he was in this temporary location uh, where his parents being completely, not completely uh, not completely having no idea what was going on, but definitely feeling the, the worry and the anticipation of what was to come with a, with a firstborn child. Um, he's born into this. And the stable comes to represent kind of the posture that Christ would, would live. It, it would be humbled. It, it would be humble. It would be, it would be kind of out of the way. But he would go on to live a life that is a bit of a rags to riches. Not riches in terms of being, being rich and, and um, in the way that we often kind of tell a story of rags to riches. But one where he ascends from a, a, a manger, a, a food trough or an animal trough that he was in, to ultimately being seated at the right hand of God the Father, of, of, of being, being glorified in his death, resurrected on the third day, and ascended to be seated with God the Father. But, but for now, in the Christmas story, the, the setting isn't really heaven. The, the set is the stable. And so let's talk a little bit about these characters, right? I mean, there's one that we should know pretty well. Of course, it's Jesus. He was, he was the king, and, and he would grow to eventually be, uh, to, to hold salvation in his hand. Yet when he was born, at this moment in the story, uh, Jesus, the only thing he can hold in his hand is the finger of his mother, it, this, this is a savior who is born in such a lowly position that he can't, he can't even reach in up and, and touch the heads of the, of the cattle that are there uh, eating around him in the stable. Jesus is, is born and he is born humbly. The main character doesn't come in with a, with a bang. He comes in just like anyone else. And of course there's there's Mary and Joseph. I, I can remember when we had, when Leah and I had our first son and just how, uh, how terrifying, <laughs> right, and, and uh, uh, exciting that was. Um, then we had our second. Our second was like, man, we can do this. Now we're having our third and fourth at the same time. We're kind of coming back to that original like, oh, no, kind of feelings. But here's Mary and Joseph. Uh, they're, they're, from what we can tell from Scripture, um, they're, they're poor individuals. Um, they don't have some of the luxuries and privileges that are afforded to other folks. And now here they are, not even in their comfort zone of, of their own home or their town or with their, with their family necessarily. And here they are having a child. And also, let's, let's, um, let's not forget, just for good measure, let's remember Herod and, and Augustus who are, um, who are mentioned in this story from, from Luke 2. Um, it's fascinating the irony, especially around around Herod, because Herod, as we've talked about 
leading up to Christmas this year, you know, Herod was extremely threatened by a, a, a baby, right? Here is this guy who has so much, like reports to almost no one and has, um, you know, dominion and sovereignty over so many people. And here he is threatened by the announcement or the rumor that a king has been born. And you know what? <laughs> Looking back, he had very good reason to be worried. You think about Caesar. You think about uh, Herod. Yes, we would still know about them from the historical record. But I bet you wouldn't. They would just be characters from Rome. People that you might hear about on a history podcast. But that's it. The only reason that Herod still gets talked about The only reason Caesar has a salad named after him is because they happen to have the privilege of being alive during the time of Jesus. That's the only reason. If it wasn't for that, these guys would be cliff notes of world history that so many of us would hardly know. But now, we talk about them every Christmas, every year as those who represent the ones who did not understand what God was doing, who lived in the dark and were not open to seeing the light. So that's kind of what we have going on in the, in the world of this grand performance that God is, is putting on. Um, this, this showtime performance uh, that, that God has directed that we call Christmas morning. And because of all of this, we also have to look at the main point or the main, the main theme. These are the things that we have to remember so that we don't find ourselves being let down at Christmas, where our expectations are missed. This is the purpose of the plot. And actually, we get the purpose of the plot here in verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. He says, uh, going on from where we left off, it says, Today, this is the the angel speaking, um, speaking to the shepherds specifically. They said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, the Lord. These three titles given to the Son of God, given to Jesus on this, on this event, on this, this show, this event where, where Jesus was born that we still celebrate to this day over 2,000 years later. Help us to remember the, mo- the main point and the main theme of this whole thing. First, that, that Jesus is the Savior. That, that thanks to Jesus and his saving work, our sin is separated from us as far as the East is from the West. That thanks to his life, his perfect life and his perfect death and his resurrection, that that, that, that liberation from sin is possible, and it all began on Christmas when a Savior was born. Also on that day, Christ was born. Christ meaning the anointed one, the the Messiah. And and, and Christ, being labeled the Christ, actually ties back to the the faithfulness of God. Because for thousands of years, God was saying that he would step in, that this Messiah would come to liberate his people, to do away with sin. And so on Christmas, we see that Jesus came in his presence, that he will come again in his power, but he does so as Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And lastly, of course, that Jesus is Lord He's a director. 
He is orchestrating all things for the good of those who love him. Christmas is a special event in which we see Christ as Lord, as sovereign, as one who came into this world unknown, but eventually would become unforgettable. And even the things and the places and the people around him would become unforgettable. In the case of Herod, notorious, right? But Jesus is Lord, and we see that on Christmas morning. And Christmas absolutely can become a letdown when we let the subpoints or the subplots or the subthemes of this bigger story that we see in Scripture, when we let those subpoints take over. All the presents, all the, 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 ex, the, the Christmas parties, the, um, all these additional expectations that get the, gets heaped on to Christmas where we end up missing the main thing. I think one of the best remedies for this is to just be constantly reminded, reminded of the story that you probably already know, but we have to keep echoing it together as a congregation, reminding one another that Jesus is born, that Jesus still lives with us through the Spirit, and that we are his church by that Spirit. And so as you go and as you, you do what you do for Christmas and everything that goes around it, there's no way to, to escape all of the, the busyness and the expectations. And I'm not saying you have to check out of all of those things. But don't let them become a letdown when you come to Christmas and realize that the main thing has been forgotten. Because you have not been forgotten. At just the right time, Jesus was born. Please pray with me. God, thank you that you came to us so humbly, that you are faithful to your promises, your promise to always be with us, and your promise to, to fulfill uh, what you have said through the Messiah. Thank you, God, for the gift of Christ, for the gift of the Lord, for the gift of the anointed one. Jesus, what a pleasure it is to serve you, to serve you in the times that are good and the times that are bad, and God, help us to hold true to the promises in your life. God, Christmas can be a, uh, a time of great joy, can also be a time of, of great heartache. Regardless, regardless of, of, of how we approach Christmas morning this year, we pray, Jesus, that we would, through your help, through your spirit, be able to keep the main thing the main thing. In Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next year. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.